We the bestest cast with the left twist. Pat fairly well dressed. Put me on the guest list. The guest list. Uh, yeah, on the guest list. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another week of On the Guest List with Foxtrot and the Get Down, White Sox, Dave, Kenny, Carkeet, and Dante. We are back for another week. Uh, shout out to everybody listening on Adobe Radio. Shout out to everybody listening on Spotify, Apple, everything like that. We have a big episode this week. Before we get started on anything, I'd be remiss not to mention the fact we're recording on September 11th. It's the 20th anniversary of September 11th. It is absolutely fucking crazy to me to think that it's been 20 years. Shout out to everybody who, who lost their life that day. Shout out to all the first responders who gave their life that day. My question to you guys is, do you remember where you were? Kenny, oh, I'll start with you. Do you remember where you were? I'll never never forget it. I was a senior in high school, 8.30 in the morning. We were they had like the news on in this class that I was in, and the news was talking about the first plane crash, and we watched live the second plane crash. Oh, shit. The other crazy thing is my high school that I went to on this little tiny island is next door to an Air Force base. And the next day, our high school lost like 22 seniors that enlisted. It was wow. crazy. So like the next day, just desks gone. You're like, oh, fuck, they're out. Holy shit. Dave, where were you? I was in seventh grade, Mr. Williams class. Um, he wheeled in the, the TV card. And I remember everybody thought that they were getting like, you know, a fucking half-assed day. We're going to watch movies or whatever. Everybody in Chicago knew the trade centers as the Twin Towers. But since I have family out in Tom's River, um, and all Jersey and New York city all out that way on my mom's side. I, when I heard that the trade center had been attacked, like I remember looking around and being like, it got attacked. Like I, and everyone's like, what? like they didn't know what was going on. And then he wheeled it in. We watched a second plane hit. And I like immediately after that, 20 minutes after that, maybe I got the call on the loudspeaker saying, David, come to the principal's office. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what did I do? And, um, my my sister, my two of my sisters were already waiting there. My mom came and got us out of school. Um, at that point, like we had known that the country was under attack. My dad was working downtown Chicago and that's where my mom thought uh, flight 93 would be going. Oh. And it was the fucking, I'll, I'll, I'll remember every step I took that day. We, on the way home from school, our school was like during rush hour, it take like 45 minutes to get there. It fucking sucked. So, when we were on the way back to my house, my mom was trying to get my dad on the phone, but this is like kind of pre cell phones a little bit. And, um, we, we are listening on the radio as the first tower went down in, and my mom starts like having a panic attack as she's driving and we're all in middle school. Yeah. So it's not like we could pull over and drive. So it was, it was fucked up day. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget it either. It was like, I, I, every dance, every year on September 11th, I walk back what I was doing. It's, Awful, awful day. Dante, were you in Massachusetts at that point? Nah, I'm in Chicago. And, uh, yeah, they sent us, I remember, probably 9.30, 45 a.m., around there, central time. And uh, they sent us right back. Yeah, just fucking bizarre. Every year around this time, seeing all the, you know, replays just immediately takes you back to exactly where you were, not just you know, physically, but also mentally. I was in fourth grade. I, I, I'm i a little bit younger than you guys. I don't remember shit really like of like, every, all I remember is like, one, it was like an oddly beautiful day that day. It was, like it was like, in Chicago, it was too. It was they, I just perfect, perfect morning. I just remember my dad pulling me out of school and we went to the baseball field down the street 
and it was kind of like distracting us, like whatever it was. But like, that's all I remember about that day. But I just remember my mom crying, like sitting around for like two days being like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, that just, new Netflix documentary is actually really good. And even though yeah, I, was I was just about eight, to say, even it's though awesome. I was 18 at the time and I remember most of it, watching back the step by step, you're like, oh, yeah. I mean, Fuck, dude, I forgot it, about that. It's, it, it is fucked up that they replay it every year, but like, it, it's, you, you can't look away. It, it, it's such a moment in history. You can't look away from it. It's fucking insane, dude. But either way, just wanted to say, fucking rest in peace to everybody who lost their life. And shouts out to all the first responders who gave their lives that day. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's get into music. Our guest this week, we have Tyler Glenn from Neon yeah. Trees. What a dude, Kenny. Great poll. It was an amazing interview that we got to go through. And I say this every week, but we tend to get really honest, open conversations with these people. That's the thing, man. And anybody that I try to pull onto our show as much as I can, as I call them, are, are real people. And like yeah. Tyler's just one of the homies. You know, that whole... That whole 2010 to 2020 alternative circle of just friends. Everybody's got each other's back. Everybody came up together. And, like, that's the thing. I haven't really talked to Tyler in years, you know? And one text, he's like, yeah, man, whatever you need. And you're like, man, that's my dude. Man, and we got stories on stories from him. And and uh, I, I didn't, I don't know Tyler at all. I, I do now, but I didn't know him before. But I feel like I was talking to a friend. Really yep. good dude. We go through his whole career, uh, him coming out in the Rolling Stone interview and the way that affected people in his like in his crowds, getting to watch people be able to see themselves, as he said. Really amazing. And just the dope-ass music. I fucking love his voice. I've been a fan dude, forever. He's like, got one of the, if I could, like, I've recorded him in the studio. I've performed with him. I've listened to him sing in so many different facets. That motherfucker can sing the alphabet. He's yep. unbelievable. Oh, dude, I'd give him a phone book and let him sing it, and I'd be fucking yeah, in, nuts. dude. But we have a packed episode today. Let's get into our interview with Tyler Glenn from Neon Trees. Yeah! How you feeling? Yeah! You feel all right? All right, ladies and gentlemen, on the guest list today, we have one of the most unique and recognizable voices in alternative rock. He's a true legend of the game. Please welcome on Mr. Tyler Glenn to the podcast. Tyler, how are you, buddy? What's up? I'm good. Good morning. Dude, very, very happy to have you here today. We have Thank a you. lot to talk about. We have a lot to go through. This whole podcast is about people with unique perspectives in the music industry, journeys, different things like that. And when Kenny brought you up, I thought you were the absolute perfect person to have on the podcast. So cool. I thought just to start, man, we know that the alternative rock world is a small fucking pool. Everybody knows each other. You and Kenny obviously know each other. This is a, a traditional thing that we do. Kenny and Tyler, how the fuck do you guys know each other? <laughs> if, uh do you want to start, Kenny? Like, I, think? I would like to start because it includes a huge compliment. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I met Tyler, God, it must have been 2010, 2009, 2010, somewhere around there when I was a lowly, lowly engineer just cranking on the buttons. And Tyler and Brandon, their bass player, was doing a co-write with the producer I was working for. And that's when I got to experience Tyler's voice, which... Funny stories. One time we were recording Tyler and Jimmy was like, yo, there's something fucked up with that vocal. There's something wrong with the computer. And we found out he was singing chords and it blew <laughs> our fucking minds into smithereens. But anyway, that was the first time we had met. And then fast forward a couple years later and we toured together. And then, like you said, Colin, it's such a small world that we saw each other all the time everywhere. Yeah, it was uh, it was 2009 because we had just been signed. So we were getting sent around to like start writing you know uh because you, you know how like i don't know if you know but i'm sure you do like yeah. you get signed and then you like 
you think, oh, they're signing me because of all my great songs. And you find out like none of the songs are good. (laughs) (laughs) But they just think that, oh, you're going to probably do something cool. So like, we'll, we'll give you a year. Um, So yeah, we met Kenny and and Jimmy out in Venice. Right. And it was, uh, I think we did like five songs. I, I remember that too. Like that something was going on where my vocal was, there was like two voices at once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some like Kim Deal shit. So like, yeah, anyway. Um, yeah. And then AWOL, we did like a, we did like a co-headline, but we also did like the festival circuit, like all that stuff. So um, you've always been popping up in my life, Kenny. So it's, it's nice to <laughs> That's how we come do, full man. circle yet again. Yeah, I'm so sorry been. to hear that for you, bro. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I have one of those guys that like when you, when he does pop in, you're like, ah, oh, fuck. No, <laughs> no, no, always. Situations. Guys, as, we, as, we, as, we, as, as we've seen with most of our guests, when you are just a nice human being, you get to pull in favors with your friends that you've met along the way and seen along the way. You know what hey. I mean? And that's how I know hey. so many people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, we're lucky enough that Tyler took the time today, man. We, we appreciate it. And we're going to go through your whole journey because there's so much that I didn't know. And just being a, a fan, because when much like Kenny – and much like ex-ambassadors who we had on like last week or the week before, you guys are everywhere on the alternative rock radio in the period of time when I was coming up. So like you guys mean a lot to me, but I guess we'll start right now. Like what is the past year, the pandemic era kind of been like for you? It's been hard. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm really optimistic right now, but the, uh, we had a record like that I had been working on for probably two years and, um, you know, we were, we were kind of, we had taken kind of a, a break, a sizable break of, of releasing new music as a band. And so we were really amping up for 2020 to be, um, not, not a, like a return. I don't want to say like we ever like vanished completely, but I think for us, we were ready to get back in the game and the, the song was climbing and, and everything was going well. So for us personally, and I, I say this realizing everyone went through it in their own way but for us it was really crushing to watch a lot of the stuff that we were like um really anticipating like making us feel like we were clicking back into to where we had left off kind of taken away and it was uh it was definitely hard and and i i had worked really hard the last probably four or five years getting mentally right and last year really did a number on that but i i felt like i had tools in the toolkit or whatever tool belt, tool belt that like I didn't have previously. So I did weather it, but it, it was really um, a ch- challenging at times for sure. I mean, we talk about this all the time on the podcast because I'm a musician. Kenny's a musician. Dave isn't. And so yeah. when I try and tell Dave like what it has been like for musicians over the past year, we've all had to mentally just buckle down and try and weather this. And Dave, like even hearing it from a star like this, do you understand like what I'm saying? <laughs> Dude, it's crazy. Like, <clears throat> so I, I got a lot of my ties are in the, the food and beverage industry. And yeah, over the past like year and a half or so, those guys, I thought they got gutted. But a mm. lot of them, like we still had outdoor dining. Um, You could eat indoors at 25% in Chicago, at least for most of it. Like they were still bringing in some money. They probably weren't making money. They were probably still taking the losses. But until I hooked up with Kenny and Colin, I didn't realize that the music industry absolutely got gutted. You couldn't do yeah. anything in the music industry. And that's, there's a whole trickle down for that. Like a lot of bars, especially people that I know in Chicago, like they rely on, on live music. And then it's not just, it's not just the bars. It's the bus boys. It's the, you know, the, 
the local late night drunk place across the street, there's a huge trickle down and like the music industry out of all industries over the last, you know, year and a half or so, it, it took a beating worse than anybody. And I've learned that really quickly, you know, talking to a bunch of different bands and artists and stuff. And then these guys, of course. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm virtue signaling or anything. It's more just like, um, cause you know, we've been a band long enough where it's where we have stability if we don't work for a year, which is great. Um, but then I consider a lot of my peers or a lot of bands right below maybe our level. And it's a weird pyramid of levels when you talk about bands and shit, yeah, but like, um, I just, I, f I was so like bummed out for them because a lot of, a lot of artists and bands have to get in a van or a bus to make their, their money every month. Um, that's me, ladies and gentlemen. So, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. And that's like, so part of the, the journey. And, but it's like, you had no, no, nowhere to go at yeah, that point. So let's take it back to the start when you guys were on the buses doing the almost famous tour with all the groupies and stuff. What is your <laughs> yeah. advice to Colin as someone who's still at that level? And his band's still at that level trying to get to the top where where you guys are right now. It's weird because I, I would like to say I have advice, but, like, I don't know if it's applicable because our come-up was a decade ago, you know, like, and, and it's a different, it's a completely different game because of the internet, because of where the industry's gone, but also because of 2020, you know. I think we are in the Wild West of, of live music. I, I'm stoked seeing some of my friends, like, getting out there and, like, going on tour. But uh, I just hope, I hope we don't, I hope we get back to the point where everyone can do that because it's cool to see like the Foo Fighters out there and it's cool to see like some of, some of the bands that we all know and, and love, but like, what about the bands that want to make this their career and, and might be halted or, I don't know. Like, so for me, not that I want to sound like I don't have any optimism, but it, but it is a different road. So I almost feel like me giving any advice wouldn't be applicable. Yeah. Two, two things to that point, you know, when we go, when we were just talking about how you and I met in 2009 and started touring in 2010, Spotify wasn't even around then. Yeah. It was, it's like, so like the advice that we have is just so different and how we came up on our grind is so yeah. different. Uh, and then going back to like the pandemic things, Tyler, like we talk about often how, you know, and I know that, it takes several years of hustling very hard to build some sort of longevity as a band. So for the bands who were just on the cusp, right, of radio playing all that stuff right before the pandemic to vanish for a year and a half, how do, how do they do it twice? You know, like it seems like yeah. so hard. Like, how do you do that twice? How do you strike gold twice? Yeah, because it's also like, and we can move on from some of the, the shitty side of it, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, but it, it, yeah, like I, you know, you, you know, this as just as well as I do that, like the people you meet on the way and the networking, you can only do that so many times before, like you lose sort of your luster. Right. Yeah. Not that like, not that like, I don't know, but, but you only have those first uh, only a few times. So you're very right. Like, how can we ca cash that in like a few times? It's, it's but on, on a positive note, though, coming yeah. from a band that is working their way up. I'm sitting here talking to you guys. I'm not, I'm yep. not hurting. This is, we found a way to grind it out and find a different way. You want to talk about like adapting? We yeah, adapted. Right. And that's what I was going to say. The, the pandemic, while it was a gross, disgusting thing, one of the beautiful things that came out of it was watching people able to be creative and pivot 
be creative yeah. and pivot. And you're like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, geo-targeted viral shows. Oh, this, this, and that, whatever. It's just, it's been interesting to see the fighters get through it. Yeah, geo-targeted viral shows. Talk to Kenny. You never know what's going to work. You know what I mean? Anything's possible. But, you know, Dave brought up a good point, though, going back. Because, once again, we're all about unique perspectives and journeys in this whole thing. And going through and looking at how you guys came up, like, I, I, I want to start at the beginning. How do kids from Utah wind up going to L.A., signing a deal, and then fucking taking over the world, man? Like, let's start back at the beginning. Like, how did you guys yeah. get to that first deal? Yeah, I mean, so I grew up in Southern California, but it was like Temecula, so it wasn't L.A. Oh. Um, and that was my backyard. And me and my guitar player, we were raised Mormon out there. Um, so... I had a, I had the religious sort of upbringing, but because it was in California, it was, I felt freer. I probably had great parents that allowed me to be who I was, but the, the music industry, like I, I always just convinced myself, like I need to be in California for it to work. And I got back from a, a Mormon mission. I, I did like a two year Mormon mission. Surprise, surprise. Wow. Yeah. And I, I wanted to like, I, all I did was eat, sleep, and breathe the band. Um, and so I came back after that and moved to, to Utah just to bring my guitar player back because he had moved to Utah for school. Um, and we ended up just staying there because we found, like, a really interesting niche scene that we were able to, like, build um, within. And there were some really cool venues. And, like, two, three years later, I realized, oh, we've, like, accrued a really cool regional crowd um, and eventually someone from, um, Island Mercury records at the time, uh, came to a show like an hour and a half outside of like a major city in Utah. And there were probably 50 people there and, and signed us. Who signed um, the fucking chances? Evan, Evan Lipschitz. Oh, Did you okay. have any idea he was going to be there or is he just like kind yeah. of hopping in? So we had gotten like two, there's this sort of urban, it's not a big deal, but an urban legend with us that the killers sort of took us out on tour. They really only let us play like two shows. It was right before their day and age tour. And so we, we did, we had two high, prof, high profile shows on the books. Um, so that did sort of get our like name in people's head for a sec. And I think from that, um, the A&R the A at, at Mercury and Island, uh, Evan, and David Massey, they they were really kind of interested. Why why is this band opening for the Killers? So um, how did you how did you guys <laughs> if you were if you weren't signed yet? How did you guys link up and get those slots with the Killers? Ronnie, the drummer, uh, Ronnie Venucci, he seen us play in Vegas like for ten people. What? It was like J Jillian's the arcade there. I don't know. If it's, yeah. I don't, it's not there anymore. But um, yeah, weird. It, it, you know, really the moral of the story is like play anywhere and everywhere you can. Like, I don't know if that's applicable because the internet is such a different thing now, but for us, it was like, take any show. And, and so that was just what we would do. We'd play that, wherever. That's the, that's the story of right place, a lot the of, right time. You never yeah. know who's going to be in the crowd. Give 150%, play to 10 people like you're playing to 10,000, all that lame well, stuff. This is, is so this is so wild though, because you literally word for word, so just to backtrack a little bit, part of this podcast is a video series that we're doing where we're turning Dave here into a rock star. And our <laughs> first episode that we did of the video series with, was with Mark Roberge from OAR. Nice. I, I go to his studio and I, I, I made him say like, yo, what are some lessons or rules that you can give Dave? The first one he said is play anywhere and everywhere. 
That was yeah. word for word what he said. And it seems like your guy's entire start was kind of a series of, of fucking lucky. Anywhere and everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. anywhere, everywhere. And somebody's there. It's not even yeah. Mark that just said that to us. It's been like, I'd say a half dozen people that have said that over the course of the last eight, nine months or whatever, which is crazy. It's like you guys all have some like telekinetic connection yeah. where you just know some of these, un, I'll call them unwritten rules of how to kind of grow your audience and and build your band you know no you yeah. think it's telekinesis we're all just actually in a big group chat where we're fucking yeah with yeah, you. yeah can i actually <laughs> say though that there, there's an there's a through line under all that that you still have to be good at what you do yeah yes. you know what i mean absolutely <laughs> that's a thing. not good at anything well but luckily tyler has the voice of an angel so oh well thank you it's, it, 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 that is true it's twofold though because like yes it gets you in front of like people that you might not have otherwise played in front of but it also I think it just made us a better band. Like by the time we were actually on tour with actual bands, like not actual bands, but like credible, like right. picking yeah. us out and getting us opportunities. We were like good enough to do you that. Knew what, you knew what you were doing. Yeah, exactly. I think well, about it all the, I think about it. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Dave. Well, uh, I was going to say, so <clears throat> excuse me. When the, uh, you said you were playing in Vegas in front of like a dozen people. Yeah. And someone from the killers stumbles in on you guys, ask you guys like what, like, is or were they so big that they could just kind of take risks like that, or yeah, were they sticking their necks out for you guys just out of instinct and kind of a hunch, like hey, these guys could be, you know, these guys could be some somebody or something, you know? It was it was a combo. Like I, they were, they were definitely. I mean, this was their third album. It's day and age. So it was that the record with uh, "Are We Human? Are We Dancer?" on it. Yeah. So like by then they had already become like. Make one it. of the biggest rock bands in the world yeah um so i think they could kind of take out whoever definitely and then i yeah I, because they were on island and i think they like had a bit of uh they had a little bit of a pool like ronnie just was like hey like this band's dope like don't give them a dog shit offer and like um and <laughs> and yeah and we you know for our mindset we all we wanted to do is like go on tour and play shows and and we didn't, we weren't thinking about singles. We weren't thinking about like rate. We weren't even thinking about radio. Like our favorite band at the time was Kings of Leon. So it was like, like they took four or five records to even get a hit on, on the radio. So for us, we were like, oh, we'll take that path. Like, but at least we now can get like money and be on a label. And we kind of grew up in that rock and roll dream where like being on a label was everything and going on yeah. tour and all that. So well, it turns out you guys did the exact opposite of Kings of Leon. You come out of the fucking gate with animals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so that happens, right? You guys have been grinding. You're grinding. You're trying to do all this shit. You get signed. You're writing with idiots like Kenny. And then animals yeah. <laughs> comes out and absolutely just takes the world by storm. What was it like to watch your life just change like that? Bizarre. I, it was out of body, like I'll, I'll be honest. Um, you know, I think there's a few reasons one, it's just like it, it happened really quick. Um, and all of a sudden you go from like being a band in a van opening for like 30 seconds to Mars, which is in incredible. That was our first tour. But then like within that tour, um, the song's like really doing its thing and, and we're playing Jay Leno or playing Conan or, and we start and we're just like, oh, this is our life now. And I, <laughs> I, I probably didn't, it probably didn't stop until around 2015 where we even like sat when like three records later and 
other hits and shit. Like it was just, I look back at it a lot and go like, I don't even sometimes recognize that life. I know I lived it. I know it's still so much a part of who I am now, but yeah, it was just wild, man. Yeah. And it's weird. It just all, it was like, you know, 10 second experience here. And, but it was years and years, you know, it just happens fast. I'm sure. I always yeah. tell people, like, I wish I knew that we were in the good old days back in the good old days. And it's right, funny because right, like, right, right. there's not, I mean, there's a lot of bands that, that do it, but there's not a lot of bands who have the same kind of come up, which I think Tyler and the trees and us and AWOL had the same, where it was like the first song was the yeah. thing. We went from touring in a van to a bus on the same tour because yeah. it was just going so crazy. And then Tyler, we talk about often, and I wonder how this applies to you is the pressure of, I guarantee that you got, what's the next animals? What's the next yeah. one? How's the next one top animals? Is everything else, even though it's top 10, an alternative, a failure compared to animals? How did you deal with that? I didn't think about it until until our third record. So like, because we did we did Habits, our first record, and Animal was the big jam. And we had a couple other songs off of it, but we just had so many tours, blessed to have so many tours off that record, that it lasted for like two and a half years, that cycle. And then we just basically took, I was writing the whole time. We took maybe a month to write a little bit more and then produced our second record with Justin Meldo Johnson, who's like a hero of a bunch of us because he plays for Beck and Nails and produced our second record. And I'd yes. written this song. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'd written this song called Everybody Talks. And uh, I think I had always thought, thank you. I, I'd always thought of that song as sort of like a bridge because like our second record, we did the thing where we wanted to be a little bit more arty and we wanted to like really like flex that side of us so that our second record has a bunch of like, it's still a pop record in, in a sense, but it, we went a little bit more artistic, but everybody talks was the first single in my mind, just, it was going to be the bridge from the first era to the second era and ended up being like our biggest song. Um, so I didn't really, um, I almost didn't have to, I don't want to even sound like an asshole, but I almost didn't have to think about the follow-up because it just, it just like kind of like happened again. Yeah. Now this wild. once again goes back to the fact that there is that through line. You have to be good. It turns out you're Thank really you. goddamn good at making songs. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. yeah. And, I don't, and I don't want it to. I don't. I, I don't want it to come off also like if you're not good, you can't do it. It's like more the through line is like, you got to try really yes. hard. You got to yes. craft, you got to practice. You need to write a thousand fucking songs, you know? Yeah. Sure you I do. don't, yeah. I don't want you to think like, uh, I just was writing, you know, the first try was the, the single. <laughs> right, I right. definitely had a ton of, ton of songs in the book, but, um, yeah. So I, I think it was by the time we got to our third album where we were kind of like conscious, Oh, we're neon tr- trees and people know us this way. And, that's when I started to think like, well, okay, how can I mix it up or, um, or like sort of like make this a little bit more interesting or broaden it more, you know? The fact that you went back to back like that is pretty goddamn incredible. But then you guys get to the third record and after the third record, you guys seem to have taken a little bit of a a hiatus and you had gone and done a solo record. Yeah. Which by the way, I love the solo record. This is what when, when when Kenny told me this was gonna happen, because the first song I heard was trash, which yeah. I fucking love. And I remember hearing it and being like, This dude's fucking going for it. Like you went you. hard. But yeah. there's themes on that solo record that kind of like reflect the time in your life that, that was going on. Because around that time, because what this is 2016, right? The solo record. Yeah. 
you have the article in Rolling Stone where you come out and you come out and tell the world that you're gay. Yep. What was that like to go into a new record, having this whole new side of yourself that you've always wanted to express, but never had gotten to that point to express? Like, did it open up this whole new world of, of what you could talk about in a song? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, our, our, our third, the neon, the trees third album pop psychology, uh, it was the record I ostensibly came out on, um, but I, I didn't really talk. I wasn't open when I cre- created that record. So it was like I was talking about themes, but I was still sort of hiding a bit. And uh, after coming out, I, I also had a, a real sincere crisis of faith um, with, with the religion that I was raised in. And I, I hadn't really been practicing for a while, but I'd always just like had this idea that it was true. So... I felt like it kept me, it kept me small. Um, and I know that sounds weird because we were, we were like doing our thing and really like finding success. But I, I was, I didn't feel like conscious in the whole thing until I really like put all that shit behind me. And I, I know religion's a, a, a dicey topic. For me, I found no joy in it anymore. And coming out was the best thing I could do for my life, for my mind, for my, artistry for everything and so the solar record was truly like um me wanting to burn it all down which yeah. i don't feel essentially like that anymore i think anger is an important thing to pay attention to but i'm glad that i made that record because it was so pure for how i was feeling at that moment um my band didn't love it because some of them were still mormon and still trying to figure it out um but i had to do it and I, it felt so like true and it's changed the way I write in, in the trees now. And I, I feel freer in my own band to kind of not have a ceiling anymore about what I, what I write about or what I'm addressing, you know? So I have a, I have a weird question on that. Yeah. Um, did, was there any negative impact? And I don't mean like haters, um, right. any negative impact with coming out publicly in the sense of like, that's all people wanted to talk about, or that became mm. the thing. Was, was that ever an issue for you or was it kind of smooth yeah. sailing? Yeah, no, it was, um, you know, it was a different time too. And I, I know it's not that long ago, but, uh, I came out in 2014 as gay, but I was still trying to be Mormon. Um, so that's when the, the Rolling Stone article came out. And I, I was just doing the thing that I had to do because I was really, truly kind of having a hard time, especially cause I, you know, we were on tour, you know, headlining and it was amazing and, and shit, but I wasn't happy. And I was like, what is like, I've worked so hard for this. Why am I not happy doing the thing that I, I've wanted to do my whole life? And so for me, I kind of wasn't thinking about the what it would do to my career. I was just so sort of drowning. So I do think it, it, it affected it in ways. Um, 2014, you know, I think the only person that had really, and I, I hope I don't, I'm not leaving anyone out, but I, I think it was kind of like Adam Lambert a couple yeah. years prior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there weren't yeah. a lot of like, there weren't a lot of like guy lead singers yeah. doing doing that thing publicly. Yeah. Um, now, now it's like, you know what? I'm so happy that I did because it also opened me up to who's in my audience. Yeah. Because I realized there were a lot of queer people sprinkled in the audience that, you know, we've had success in the mainstream. So there's a lot of people that just love the music, but I, I realized I was speaking on a different level to people that needed to hear that, which is adds way more like people who can weight. identify with, yeah, adds more value to like what, 
what I feel like I'm doing. But I, I think it, I think it definitely did become like the topic and I got tired of having to talk funny. about it too, of for course. sure. Well, the best thing that we could do is keep bringing it up here. Cause that's yeah, exactly no, what no, no, I'm not kidding. Okay. I'll talk about it all day. It's good. Well, it's, no. I mean, just the, the, here's the only bit of relevance that I have. And my that, dad's, a, my dad's a gay man who came out at 50. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, and so like that whole topic of conversation that I've had with him a thousand times of like, what for 50 fucking years, what was that like? And what was the negative and positive impact? So anyway, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for going. Well, I mean, especially like, like 2014, you are like completely correct in saying like nowadays, like it's, it's much more widely not accepted, but like practice is what I'm saying. Like more and more people are being more and more free to open up about who they truly are in all of this. Like, I, I think the main thing here is like, that entire step that you took was so fucking brave. And you watched the way that like nowadays it's changed the game. Everybody, like, if you have, you feel that way, you can openly and honestly talk about the way that you feel. So I just want to say from my perspective, dude, that's fucking awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, it, it did take courage. I just don't, I don't think I'm any, I don't think I'm special for it, but I, I, I like to talk about it. I know, I know maybe I sounded like, I get tired of talking about it. I do like talking about it because I think there's still, I know there's still people that have to hear it. Yeah. yeah. Need to hear sure. it. So, well, I know that if, you're a humble guy my, and I, I think that you're more of a trailblazer than, than you, than you lead on in that respect. Let's I'll, I'm curious. And I've know that, um, this is 95,000 years ago and probably something you've talked about a million times, but how the fuck did Taylor Swift cover animals and what did, how did that come about and what did that do for you? We have, it was something. dope. She, she was a, a fan uh she she was this is probably going back to like her fearless yeah. tour or, oh, or, speak now, or speak no speak now i i uh i wasn't as familiar obviously I, I knew who she was but i i wasn't i'm not a giant country fan at the time so it was more like i was like oh wow but it was a big deal and then the bigger deal was when she uh was at the show we were opening from Rune five and she was backstage and asked me like, Hey, I want to fly you out to come sing everybody talks on tour with me. What? And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So she, that was like the, it was probably the red tour where she was like starting to take out like guests every night and she flew me out and we did everybody talks in Jersey. And then we toured in Australia with her the, the whole rest of 2013. So for what? us, it, it opened us to like this really amazing kind of pop thing you know because yeah. i think we kind of towed the line between having records that did cross over and and reach that but we've always just been at our heart like a, a rock band um so i it just broadened us to even a, a bigger audience i, so I think was that, also go ahead. she's like she's like the kind of the madonna of the last decade yeah. so it was like it's a it's a huge deal to re realize oh like one of the ostensibly the biggest artists in the world like is a fan of you. That's cool. I yeah, don't it's insane. Yeah. What, so did the, did they, did you do anything? The everybody talks with her thing happened before or after she covered animals on her own? It was after. Yeah. So she had just covered it at, I, I think she was on a Utah stop at one of, did you get a heads she, up that it was going to happen or was it like, you know, everybody started sending you videos left and right. Wow. Yeah. It was that. It was like, I think it was Twitter at the time. So it was like just getting tweets. And I think, I think our bass player's wife was there just as a, 
a Bang. viewer and then all of a sudden she's like what, what? that's <laughs> so, awesome it, it's definitely dope <laughs> yeah dude Jeez. that's amazing you, she, he has bands like artists like taylor swift covering his songs and we had bands like devil driver covering <laughs> <laughs> that's tight that's good though that's so much double bass <laughs> anyway what i always loved about awol though is that like the record sounded one way but you guys were so dope and heavy, heavy. at times live like it was dope you I, know, was... we tell people I tell people that on this podcast all the time that it was so important to us to be better live than yeah. on, on the record for whatever reason it was just like it can't just be as good as the record it has to be a whole nother fucking thing and our insecurities are really what created the heaviness right because they're like we're going we're playing with bands like Neon Trees and Cage the Elephant and Young the Giant all these I mean fucking incredible bands that were like I guess let's just go harder I don't you yeah. know we don't know what Stop, to do uh... Yeah. Like you know my in that way. You know what my favorite part of A1 Nation is when the song ends. Oh, Every time the song ends. <laughs> <laughs> is this a roast? Is this a roast podcast? Every week, dude. Every yeah, basically. week. Basically. Every. Basically. Uh, I have one more question before we get into the like the the future stuff is I just watched the I want my MTV documentary yeah. thing which I fucking loved and I think we all grew up in that kind of era. Did you, how was that? How did you get approached from that? Did you enjoy doing it? Did you feel whatever about it? You know, I I haven't seen the doc yet. I still have to it's watch good. it. So okay, cool. I I uh, I know the the director, and so he just hit me up. He was like, "Hey, do you want to be a, a talking head in this MTV thing?" And like, I think because I grew up in the era of of that, I I'm, I'm obviously not the '80s, but like you know, the heyday of like the '90s and then TRL age, like. Yeah, I uh, I loved MTV. You know, it was totally my world. You know, without the internet, that's all we had. So um, it was dope, and it I like being able to talk about things in music that don't have to do with just me. You know, totally. so it's yeah. ni- it's nice to like be a fan also. Yeah, it was great because that documentary really spoke to me. I think we're almost the exact same age. So like, I grew up yeah. in in that world and then all of a sudden my buddy's on there and i'm like yes fucking somebody that i relate with and all that shit and it is funny because i'm a little bit younger than you guys i'm still in my 20s so it's like i missed a lot of like the like i remember the trl era like my sister is your age my sister's a little bit older than me so i remember my sister being like fucking die hard mtv every night every day have to be watching trl but it's funny when you look at the perspective of music now, like we think that the funnel is tight now on these like kind of gatekeeping kind of like playlist eras. And like you think about MTV, like the, when TRL was the thing that mattered the most, imagine trying to get your fucking song on TRL, how hard that must have been. And there was like 10, I think 10 or 15 yeah. slots. 10, like, dude, yeah. And yeah, 10, yeah, 15 yeah. seconds really is yeah. what it was. Yeah, yeah. But like yeah. going back, it was like MTV created the first thing of what music looks like kind of you yep. know what i mean which was Absolutely. like a, a huge thing but anyways that that was super cool to see um i see you guys are in rehearsals so you guys must be going out on tour when is that and where are you going we're we're doing like probably like 10 shows throughout the next two months so it's it's less of a like a tour it's more just like flight dates and yeah um we start in st louis next weekend which is great like um, or it's this weekend so wow uh, in like two days um, oh no shit it, wow it was bizarre dude because i hadn't seen we don't all live in the same state anymore so like which is great like everyone's been able to go and do their own thing and then we come back for the band but it'd been really like a year and a half since we'd been all together i we'd done like two streaming shows but it was like pared down and acoustic and it was just kind of like not not the vibe so being in a room and like playing songs and playing 
playing like half of the new record too that we put out last year was really exciting. So I'm I'm like having pinch me moments because like I had to start like running on a treadmill again so that yep. I have like lung capacity. Yeah. yeah. I'm like going back to vocal lessons just to like get that all muscle memory back. Cause it I've been singing and I, I recorded and wrote another record all last year during COVID, but it um so I was definitely exercising, but it wasn't it's not the same. And you're very right. Like I'm not worried really anymore. Cause I, I can sing a 90 minute set. I found out last week, but <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I don't know. I'm a little like, I hope we still like have the, <laughs> the magic. Bro, it'll, all, it'll all be there, man. That first beat of that first song with that crowd yeah. losing their minds. You know how it is. I are, think we're yeah. all good. Who are you guys bringing out? Uh, it's, it's like random Friday. So it's like different, different, right, people different every opening. time. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome, uh, I guess my final question would be coming out of this kind of like we always do a segment called what the fuck have you been listening to? That's like our thing on the podcast. Is yeah. there anybody like in closing that you'd like to highlight that you've been really into recently? I mean, so, you know, the the blessing and the curse of playlist culture is that you just start making like aesthetic playlists where there's oh, yeah. just like a, a zillion artists. But uh, I've been a fan of uh, Twin Shadow probably for like, the last decade and he just put out another brand new record but it's it's complete like 180 on his sort of like new wave sound and it's really fucking good Uh, so i would suggest checking that out for sure nice it's really really good dude tyler good luck on the road thank you thank you for coming on here and not only being so candid and open but also helping us talk shit on kenny i really appreciate that because we always that's like one of my favorite things about this podcast dude your seat is always open whenever you'd like to come back we'd love to have you this has been an absolute pleasure everybody go stream neon tree shit stream tyler's stuff go see him on the road it's been a pleasure brother we'll talk to you soon all right thank you guys so much All right, so that was our friend Tyler Glenn from Neon Trees. Go check out all of his solo stuff. Get ready for new music from Neon Trees. Go see them on tour when they're out there. Fucking Kenny, once again, great pull, dude. Thanks, my bro. I fucking love Tyler so much. What an honest human being and a good fucking person. Great motherfucker, dude. Great guy. Uh, We have, like I said, I've said this numerous times already, but we have a lot to talk about today. There's a lot going on in the music industry. Uh, Let's start with music news. Oddly enough, this this was more, not, not a down week, but we're coming off of weeks where it's Kanye and Drake and all this shit happening back and forth. But we did get new music this week. Uh, we got another, f- I, I, now this is just my opinion, we got another dookie-ass song from Ed Sheeran. I don't know what this fucking guy is doing. <laughs> dookie-ass song. I don't know. I just don't like what he's doing. He has so much fucking talent. This shit just sounds so... It's like elevator music to me. I don't know. Did anybody else hear this new fucking Ed Sheeran single? Yeah, dude. You know what, though? Bad Habits was the same thing with me. Like, it came out. First off, I I still hear it, and I'm like, this is anybody but Ed Sheeran. But the song has really fucking caught me and sold me, and I did not like it at first. So I'm I'm not totally out on this one. A bad habits, like first off, what's up with him performing for NFL? The NFL, they're making like Ed Sheeran merchandise and shit. That, well, I, I don't know. know. Katy Perry doing halftimes, like what the fuck is going on? I don't know, but I, I like bad habits has grown on me a little bit. But like Ed Sheeran's an amazing musician. He's singing over these like fucking like One Direction beats. I have no idea what the fuck <laughs> he's doing. <laughs> I, I, I some of the older Ed Sheeran songs are some of the ones that like I don't like to admit that I like and know the lyrics to, but. Watching, he performed one time. I one it was on the Grammys or the VMA. 
awards or something like that. And it was just him by himself using the loop pedals, yeah. making a drum beat, playing acoustic. And you're like, holy fuck. And then he played Wembley. I think he played yeah. Wembley like five nights by himself, no band. 80,000 people. Talk about fucking courage, man. That's insane. I saw, I'm, you know. Was it just him and a guitar just like chilling? With with a loop pedal. So Dave, he would like he'd, yeah, he'd, yeah. like do the kick pattern with his yeah, foot yeah. and then it would continue to write and he'd make a whole song by himself. And you're like, 80,000 people five nights in a row by yourself? That's awesome, man. Let's be yeah. honest about something though. It takes courage to stand on a stage and look like Ed Sheeran. Okay. That is all. That is also you know true. What I'm saying, like, it's, it's not like he's out there like fucking Harry Styles. Everybody like grab him. No, and like, yeah. no, and it and it takes an insane amount of talent to get to the level he is. Oh yeah, with that look. I mean, that's yeah, why yeah, yeah. I, I respect him even more. I mean, today ugly people all, just are they. Yeah. They don't have. You have to be under natural... no crutch. <laughs> right. There's... Exactly. They can't lean on their looks. He's a freak, man. He's so he freak, he's yeah. so fucking talented. Uh, we also got Casey Musgraves dropped a new album and a movie. I love Casey Musgraves. I can't wait to dive into that. I haven't gotten into it yet. Uh, Glass Animals dropped a new single. Uh, Maxo Cream, entirely creator, put out some ignorant ass bullshit this week. <laughs> she was so hot. If you haven't checked that out, go check that out. Tyler's on a run, unlike anybody other right now. Uh, and then the album I want to talk about, we'll get into our main conversation, but Baby Keem. Baby Keem. Yes, motherfucker. I, I have a lot to say about this record because it was. Westside Kenny loves it, right? Oh yeah, Kenny fucking loves it, dude. I listen, so I listened to it this morning. Uh, I want to, Kenny. What do you think? I want to hear. I hear what you think. <laughs> uh, it, it, when the first time you hear something is usually the best, the most influential impression that you get. I was driving home from surfing through the Malibu fucking canyons, already pumped from surfing, and I put on that Baby Keem record. I almost drove off a cliff on fucking purpose. <laughs> it was. I like as far as hit like I don't know if it's the best hip hop record for me of the year or the best record period of the fucking year for me. I, I don't know. It's it's the first hip hop record that fucking hits hard, hard as fuck. Like Kendrick would. He's Kendrick's boy. He's Kendrick's cousin. He's produced a lot of Kendrick shit and vice versa. And like to get clicks, but make real fucking art. There has to be a band that's going to come up and say, fuck you. This is what I'm going to make. And I don't get that from rock. And I don't think, I think that's why right now rock music isn't grabbing the kids, especially. They're not doing fuck you anymore. They're doing, it's okay to talk about your mental health and be positive no, and also don't body need, shame. We need a fuck you. We fuck need, you. Need, get the fuck, fuck out of here. Fuck that's you. That's what I'm Fucking talking Christ. about. There needs to be some fuck you. And I'm just speaking from my own experience right now. The way I would describe what I'm writing, I want manic. I want fucking crazy. I want fucking things to come out of left fucking field. I don't hear that anymore. Be controversial. Be fucking hard. Like, fuck, God damn it. I'm so tired of just being bored. That's which is, which is why Baby Keem, that record, going back to what we were originally talking about, I won't say the whole record necessarily, but there's like three songs on there that make me want to throw myself through every wall in this room. And I it's haven't heard a rock beautiful. song like that in the, the, the Dead there, song. And they're the three with Kendrick on it. That was my... That, yeah, true, that true. That was my beat true. of the album. Is true, the songs, true, true. The songs with his cousin, he takes... A huge step up on the rest of the album is not bad, but it's maybe not it's because I'm such a big Kendrick fan and I've been yearning for Kendrick music that it's just hitting me in the right fucking. Uh, I, I listen again. I mean, I we're, I think we're in a golden age of production right mm -hmm. now. I mean, these fucking albums that are the 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 production on the last three big albums, Kanye, Drake, and this one are just like 
I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it's uh, fucking incredible. The 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 love lockdown sample on this album. Oh, is great! Fire. Uh, I, I, I do want that. that he the fact that he got to use that was incredible. Uh, I I do want to cap this conversation off with one last thing about the rock world. I blame the record labels for a lot of this Have because to. they're they're scared and they're doing whatever they can to stay alive on that side, and they don't have any fucking balls. And, but there are some bands like my boy Will Yip out of Philadelphia producing the Menzingers and Tiger's Jaw and shit Love the like Menzingers. That. These fucking bands are incredible and they're making great music, but they're getting no shine because these record labels are scared shitless. What about, I mean, I, I what mean, about, do you have a feature featuring uh, Machine Gun Kelly or yeah. Travis Parker yeah. or Dave Grohl or <laughs> like uh, what are we doing the here? The fat part of my oh, dick. God damn it. That is why things like this, this fucking podcast right here, are important because we're not owned by anybody, and we can say this shit, and we got yes. no it's facts. <laughs> no, fuck that shit. I will never bite my fucking tongue. <laughs> fuck that kidding. shit. No, I know, I'm but what kidding. I'm saying. But it, when the yet comes, I don't think that's going to stifle the fact that I can no. say this shit. It's the opposite. It's going to embolden me to do this because I want to look at every fucking rock musician out there and say, do what the fuck you want. Fuck these bitch-ass labels that want to tell you that you got to fucking put trap drums in your shit if you don't want to. If you want to make a fucking gutter garage rock album and that's what you feel, fucking do it because people do want to hear it. They're just not getting it put in front of their fucking faces. So fuck and them. Until you see an A&R person in a studio overly emoting their head banging, I feel like you can't hate the world of the music the way I hate it until you I, see I, that shit. They're like, yeah. I leave this here for time reasons, but we're going to move on. But fuck that bullshit. I told you I was going to go off too. Uh, let's, let's go into on the list, off the list. I'll start, then Dave, then Kenny, then Dante. Uh, my on the list, and I'm ashamed of this, the Philadelphia Eagles. Starts tomorrow. I've been out on the Eagles for like six months because I've been fucking fully depressed about the giant breakup. <laughs> Dave, to use your terminology, mindless lemming. Doesn't matter. I'm going to watch every game. I'm going to live and die. I'm going to throw up when we lose. I'm going to cry when win. It's in my fucking blood. Jalen Hurts, show us what you got. Nick Sirianni, don't be a fucking weirdo. Philadelphia Eagles on my list. Uh, Dave, on your list. I'm going to go with uh, Breakfast Diners. Ooh, I love yeah, Breakfast yeah, Diners. Yeah, 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 yeah. 24 hours, baby. Those are the best ones. I want fucking, like, gross napkins on the floor and shit. Like, I want it a yeah, little yeah. dirty, uh, cheap. Um, I think I'm going to hit up a breakfast diner after we get done recording this and go get Hell some coffee, yeah, dude. Uh, nice little skillet. And after bar breakfast diner, is there anything better? Dave, you Not look at like, all. Dave, you look like you should live inside of a waffle house. Like, like I've never <laughs> been to a waffle house before. <laughs> oh, I saw a meme. To a waffle house. I, I saw a meme the other day that was like waffle house application. Can you fight? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. You know, like, exactly. Real shit. I've seen a lot of really fucked up shit in Waffle House, but I've some, yeah. had some of the best times on tour in Waffle House. So, oh, they, for sure. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure you guys have had Waffle House like eight billion times a piece. My God, I I, I got to get the band on here to tell the Waffle House story. Uh, Kenny, who's on your list? I may have said this one a few months ago when it was first announced, but it's actually happening right now. They're not my favorite band in the world. They are some of my good buddies, but 21 Pilots is doing this new concert series where they're doing town, uh, city takeovers. They're doing four shows in each city, starting with 200 cap room, into 500 cap room, into oh. 1500 cap room, into arenas, right? So like, and they're starting small and going, so every city, I think it's like 10 cities, four shows in each city. And my big takeaway from it is 
wow, somebody figured out a different way to tour. That's an interesting, creative fucking thing to do. And it's fucking rad. So they're on my list. That's a great pick. I, that's a hey, great idea. So I was, I was going to ask them specifically because they're, I mean, obviously they're alt rock, but what the, I feel like they're experimental. Yes, 100%. But they've been around for like 10 years at this point. That's not what I, like, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're not they a new band. They are kind of a big rip on A1 Nation, but that's all I'll say hey! on that. <laughs> No, to be to be to be fair, Tyler would always come up and just like say how much he was a fan and all this different shit. And I mean, they brought rock music and electronic, right? And like big use of tracks yeah. and synths and all that kind of shit. Eventually, it got kind of corny and cheesy. But again, I they are the nicest human beings on earth, and I love them to death. And they're great. And I used to watch them play like the one thirty set at fucking festivals. You know what I mean? It's like just to watch them take off and do what they've done. Like. Fuck, man. Good on them. Kenny, I always forget. Are they Columbus or Cincinnati? Columbus. Columbus. Yeah. Yeah. Columbus. Got that Ohio. Dante, who's on your list? Fuck Ohio. (laughs) Coming right off that, I'm going to have to (laughs) go with the Cleveland Browns. (laughs) Okay. I, uh, I spent a lot of time in Cleveland. Got some businesses there. And I have never seen fever. It's a fucking fever. In that city, that fan base, it, the people are ready to go tomorrow against the Chiefs. Uh, as long as, you know, Mayfield or. Is that in Cleveland? No, it's in KC. But as long so as. I feel like this always happens. Uh, it just happened last week. Iowa and Indiana. Iowa absolutely mopped the floor with Indiana. Indiana's like the, you know, a little Cinderella darling story. Top 15, then just got fucking destroyed. Yeah. I am going to put every cent of my money on the Chiefs tomorrow. Ooh. I think they're just going to mop the floor with them. Chiefs with a brand new offensive might, line. Watch I out might, for that. I might take your other side on that, Dave. I think the, I think the Browns are going to win outright. I think the Browns are going to be a wagon this year, minus any catastrophic injuries. Listen, I was just going to say. But. I was just going to say, dude. Listen, when they go uh, nine and eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, watch, that's out, what I'm watch out like for that, watch out for the bridges. That's how it in, always in, goes. Yeah, I don't know, man. Look, I'm excited for the Browns, and I love good Rust Belt, fucking grimy blue collar cities. For the sake of all the Cleveland Browns fans, I sincerely hope they do well this year. Because if not, you're going to see some people jumping into the river. I'm I know it's mind. it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. They have hope this year, which I don't think they've ever had. No, they, they never have. It's scary. They they. Uh, I mean, even the Bears go to the playoffs every three years or whatever. Like the yeah. Browns, what was it, 20 years? Almost. No, they won last year. They beat oh, the Steelers. Oh, I know. Prior last last year. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was like first time this century. Yeah. I still love the Browns because I get obsessed with uh, Hard Knocks teams, and I still think about the Browns from like three years ago on Hard Knocks. I'm like, oh, yeah, all right, let's go. Uh, my off the of mine was on that series. Who? Uh, defensive end. He got cut right away, but he <laughs> he had some like airplay on the, on the show and everything, like interviewing with... Uh, the the hut hut hike guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, Bob, like Bob, whatever rich. his name is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh all right. So my off the list. Movie reboots. I'm fucking tired of it. It's, it's, they've taken it to a new level. There's the Matrix 4 uh trailer just came out. It looks like ass. It looks fucking stupid. Yeah, Keanu I'm not Re- that stoked on it. I don't even get what the fuck it's about. Like I don't what? understand. What the fuck? How many times can it's you do with this? Keanu and uh what's her face? Right? Trinity, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Trinity. Trinity. But like there's, the a actual new, there's like a new Morpheus. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I, like, yeah, I saw like that. Morpheus. I was like, that's that's not Lawrence Fishburne, I don't think. Like, I recently went back and watched all three of the existing Matrixes, and one still holds up. 
hard. One's unbelievable. Two and the other three two are stink. fucking garbage. Hot piles of shit. Come up with something new. Fuck, Davey broke my brain. Can't use yeah, off your I'm list. Sorry. Off my list today, it's kind of a two-part. <laughs> Playlist gatekeepers. Yeah. Hyphen. Love it. Papa Roach. <laughs> oh. Wait, 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 wait. Hyphen rock music. Yes. Right? It's like you were fucking saying about rock music. I'm so fucking bored. It's so it's not even safe, it's just bad. Cruising through Spotify as I usually do every fucking day. The rock this playlist is the biggest rock playlist in the entire fucking streaming game. Guess who's got the fucking cover? Papa fucking Roach? Are you fucking kidding me? Grow up, Peter Pan. Calculus. This is like, a and he's got like nine necklaces, 400 earrings, crazy glasses, all this. You're 51. Chill the fuck out. <laughs> Kenny, Fuck. did you when you were when you were coming up? Did you ever open for one of those like shitty like uh, dad bands from like the early two thousand? Like uh, all the time, all bro. the time. I opened for Pod. I've opened for Chevelle. I've opened, I opened for my fucking first fucking CD I ever bought was Pod. <laughs> Dude, like I, I was when I was like twelve. I opened for Saving Abel. Remember oh, that wow. song? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, and we were like super, we were like super new at this point. And the dude wouldn't even come out of his dressing room. Like he was like, he was like big time in us and shit like that. And I remember looking at everybody being like, did the saving able guy his big time us? Like what, the dude, fuck? what is so funny? Like, what did they, I remember saving able. What did they even sing again? I'm so was, addicted to the thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, to be fair, I play in a band with the singer of Eve six. Talk about, but luckily, <laughs> luckily, oh, I used to love them. Dude. Oh bro. But he's, but he's in on the, he's in on the joke. We'll be like, We'll be we'll be setting up our state opening, right? We're the first of three and Max on the, on the mic will be like, guys, I'm the lead fucking singer of the opening <laughs> band. You guys need to chill the fuck out, like as a joke. And he's like, I was huge in the late 1900s. Like, Dude, geez. I was inside out banger. Yeah, yeah. huge, man. Fucking Yo, massive. I, Everybody. I was them. I was in Wawa yesterday and uh, here's to the night was playing, and I was gonna I was gonna tag you. Yeah. Dude, and uh, I fucking pranked Max one time. Uh, I got together with the headliners, Congos, and we decided that during our set, I was going to start playing Here's to the Night, and then they were going to walk <laughs> on stage and play the other instruments, and, Ma and we were going to keep doing it until Max fucking sang it. Thank and you. he did, and the whole <laughs> crowd fucking lost it. And so, like, every band on that tour was playing Here's to the Night together with Max. Like, he's the best, dude. I fucking love him to death. I think Papa Roach, Saving Able, and Hinder should have a three-way death match with a, with a broken pool cue until, one of, until, until there's only one left. Hinder, fucking... did they have anything other than the one song? Lips of an Angel. Yeah, Lips of an Angel. Oh, I, wrote, could... some, I wrote some music with them. How did you they? write Lips it of an Angel? good. No, no, I fucking wish. No. <laughs> how, many how many bedazzled pairs of jeans were in the room at the time? Oh, dude, ma many of them in affliction shirts and like, you know, all <laughs> yeah, the shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that room must have smelled like shit. Dante, who's off your list? <laughs> I, I have a hyphen. Uh, as well, but right. I can't I can't connect him as well as Kenny just did. <laughs> uh, number one, airlines. Yeah, always no, Dante. Dante hates airlines. I just spent fucking half a day in San Francisco airport, which isn't bad. There's worse airports. San Fran airport was okay. It's not like you're clean. in Newark. <laughs> yeah, clean, nice, a lot of a lot of restaurants. But guys. With this boarding and deplaning and then boarding and deplaning shit, figure it out. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and then it's just fucking chaos. Like, they don't, when they reboard, they don't even like check your ticket again. It's just like a fucking, like, 
clusterfuck to get back on the plane. So if you're group one, you're fucked. You might as well just wait till everyone's back how on. Is it, how, how is it that we can go to space, but we can't put two sets of doors on an airplane? Dude, I've always thought know, it was man. fucked up that like air, airlines and airports are just not regulated, right? So like, we're going to keep you on the plane on the tarmac for four hours. Cause why? There's no rule that says we can't. Or like, we're going to charge $16 for a bottle of water at the airport. Why? Because we fucking can. Like, it's just the free for all wild west where you're like, I guess I'm getting fucked all day today. And it's like, why? Why does it have to be that way? It was, it was a fucking disaster. I know I'm far from the only person dealing with it. I know it's every day, every airport, people have to deal with it. But dude, they there has to be a better way. Has to be a better way than figuring out the plane is not fucking mechanically sound to take off. Figure it out, everybody's on it. Yeah, yeah, before I'm sitting in my seat, we're taxing away from the gate. Like, dude, yeah. all these all these fights and people getting duct tape on planes, it's like that's what happens when you make what used to be a relatively expensive way to travel because it was quick, it was faster, and all the shit. You turn it into a cheap bus fare yeah. bullshit. You get like the worst of us, the worst of human beings. Yeah. And like it's just awful. I realized airplane or airplane airline companies had no fucking rules when it was during COVID and I was flying to Nashville. It was October, still like mid-pandemic. And uh Restaurants couldn't open, but there was 350 people on a plane packed right. to the gills. Right. And I was right. like, how right. are they going to exactly. justify this? So, yeah, Dante, fuck airlines, dude. Fuck Colin, I bet you would be like the first person to get up and duct tape nope. some unruly. Oh, I would. I thought you were going to say the first person to stand up when a plane lands. Are you kidding me? I would jump up like fucking Captain America and I would duct tape the shit out of that guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly the kind of reaction I 1000% expect. If I could. If I could say a little side note, when you're in a band with your best friends traveling the world for a decade on planes every day and you become friends with all the flight attendants and you're just fucking partying in the back. So there's some funny fucking great airplane moments touring. Kenny, have you ever flown private? Yeah, a couple of times. Only because He's like a pilot. Well, oh, yeah, first off, I'm a pilot. But second off, sometimes we've had to do like two shows in one day. And the only way to do it was was that way. So it was tight. Yeah, I've never flown private, and I probably will never. I'm poor. Uh, <laughs> let's wrap this up for this week. Let's go into what the fuck we've been listening to. Uh, my pick. I went throwback a little bit here. I went with some weird emo shit. I won't say anything. I fucking love say anything. That's fucking horse. I'm just kidding. That's a great. No, pick. Fuck you, dude. That's <laughs> fuck you, guys. Crazy. It's weird. It's corny. I pick a song. Do better. I was at the gym yesterday, and it came on these really cool sampled strings. I thought it was fucking really interesting so i won't say anything that guy's okay. like schizophrenic all right. but okay. yeah okay. All, right. all right don't judge me okay. dickhead all right. okay all right all right kenny i see you dude i can't wait to see your pick you fucking loser dave what the <laughs> fuck are you listening to um so i fired up this well i i should say i didn't fire it up because i this stumbled upon it but it is a song called she's fire it's by g easy diane warren and santana and I feel like you guys are going to rip Carlos Santana, that is. I feel like you guys are going to rip me apart for it. This song's <laughs> awesome. And it's everything that, like, we kind of just talked about, you know, in a way that you guys fucking hate. Um, My man's got Santana on his fucking list, son. Like, bring out Rob Thomas next. I Yo. swear to fucking God, he just came out with a, a new song. With, it's called Move. Yeah, no, Smooth. Santana and Rob Thomas did yeah, just do a sequel yeah. to Smooth. By the way, yeah, how it's did, called Move. How did we miss Smooth by Santana and, and Rob Thomas on the white people music list? Oh, oh I know. That's oh. like, that's right up there. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I want to apologize to Dante because he sent his picks in and I did not qualify the fact that we weren't supposed to pick any of the fucking obvious ones. And this motherfucker's texting me like, 
Cha-cha no, slide. Like, he, no, he's texting me like, yo, you guys missed a lot. YMCA. <laughs> no, and, and, yo, and early in the episode, Kenny says, uh, what, what Kenny said, like, oh, if you don't, if you have like fucking like uh, shout on the on your list, you're kicked off this podcast forever. And Dante's like, just want to say, like, your guys' list fucking suck. My first pick, <laughs> shout, obviously. <laughs> I, back I, I, I went through the list and I was like, are these guys even fucking like at have they ever been to a wedding before? <laughs> oh my god, I was dying. I texted I texted Con. I, text I was like, "You guys left a lot of meat on the bone. This is gonna be." <laughs> and I texted him back, and I was like, "Yo, just so you know, like we made a rule that you couldn't pick any of these songs." And he's like, "Dude, come on, like what the fuck?" <laughs> and he's like, "Let me redo it." And I was like, "No, this is actually way funnier if I don't let you redo it." Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, Dave. I, I all right. No, I'm not gonna shit on you. I, 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 I fuck with <laughs> no, you. If, no, I shit on Dave. Shit on, shit on me. I shit on Dave. It's Listen good. to the song. It's it's good. It's good. Next next week he's gonna pick fucking Semisonic or something. <laughs> yeah. Can he shut the fuck up? Pick something. What the fuck <laughs> I got nothing original because we already talked about it this whole time, and Dante fucking hates it. But whatever. Fuck you, Dante. I went with Baby Keem. That fucking record, just because I'm deep, I'm into it. Colin and I were texting about it yesterday. I was blasting it on a thousand volume. Um, <laughs> yeah, fucking baby key man, and specifically all the Kendrick features. Top of the I morning. Don't Top of the hate, morning. I Top don't morning. hate it at all. In fact, listen, this is gonna be my <laughs> other hyphen. This is gonna be my other part of the hyphen, people that are out on my list. <laughs> the fucking like barstool commenters and Twitter people oh, that oh, just oh. have to knock everything down. It's like just because I'm saying something is good doesn't mean I think it's the fucking chronic. Right. Like, right, right, I, right. It, it's a good fuck. It's good album. It's new music. I love new music. I, I try to find like silver linings and positives in all. Yeah, like, interesting shit. Yeah. All musical work. But these people are like, oh my god, you think that's it's so mid? That's for also that's the so word mid, mid needs to go. Mid oh, needs is to go. Fucking so worse. mid. Get it the fuck out of here. I hit them all people back with the LOL, man. Anything Bro. hater, just hit them with the LOL. It's so yeah. good. I, I it's so never- exhausting. I have never read a barstool, like a blog comment section and, and there's never been a positive comment. I felt so bad. Like when we had like, like we have guests on and you guys will blog it and I'll sit like, I'll send them the article through an email and all the fucking comments are like, this dude fucking sucks. Good. They're the worst. They're the worst. They're like, they're like, when's the new Skinner album drop? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Oh get this shit out of here. You have the worst taste ever. It's like, I did not think, I did not think Drake or Kanye were the best fucking albums ever. I thought they were good. Oh, the Keem album, same thing. There was yeah, but now you're a piece of shit and you should kill yourself because you thought they were good. Literally. <laughs> you know what I mean? Literally. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love reading. The, the comments on Dave's are just savage. You're so savage, Dave. Like, you have amazing, you have amazingly thick skin. Like, I, like, I, 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 didn't, I don't you, know how you, you have to. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if we've told the story about Tom before, but uh, he's actually a friend of mine at this point. But back when I very first... Uh, I, I was still living at home. Like I was just graduated college and this one dude in the comment section, like everybody lives at home for a little bit. I lived at home for almost a year, not even a year. I did the year. same thing. Or, yeah, everybody does. So I said something in a blog about how um, the White Sox lost there and I got pissed off and I went home and I, I stole my dad's alcohol or something like that. I forget what it was. And it, this fucking guy goes, oh, of course, a fucking loser White Sox blogger lives at home with his parents in his fucking basement. What a fucking. And 
he he was just relentless to the point where I I was like, you're a motherfucker. Like, come and fight me, bitch. And he actually showed up to the bar. How tall is Tom? Seven feet. And, but he's like country strong, too. He's the oh, largest no. human in history. And I'm five, seven. Like he would just pick up his fist and like pound me into the ground like a nail. <laughs> country strong. I wrote a song called Country Strong Once for Limp Biscuit. They didn't take it, but it was a good song. <laughs> they should have. It's I'll just one it of those you. days. Uh, Dante, wrap us up. What, what the fuck have you been listening to? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to also throw it back uh, today in a weird, not honor 9-11, but uh, people forget music back then used to only come out on Tuesdays. Tuesdays. 9-11 was a Tuesday. And two of the biggest albums for me at the time came out that day and it was really fucked up because I've been looking forward to the blueprint dropping for like year and 9-11 it came out and it was, you know, no one fucking was going anywhere to buy music. Never mind, like listen to it that day. So that was, that was kind of bizarre. Also, there was a rapper who dropped his debut album who I was obsessed with. I was a huge rap city, the basement, big Tigger. Who was it? Was it Dipset? Fabulous. Fabulous. Oh, wow. Ghetto Fabulous. That, that his debut album dropped the same day. Same went against Jay-Z. They both did huge, huge numbers because uh, he cultivated such a big grassroots following New York. He was huge, but uh, yeah, I mean the basement and 106 in park, he won. I forget what the uh, rap competition was, but he won it as like fucking freestyler and, developed this huge fan base that album was unbelievable i think nate dog was on like four tracks on that yeah. album it was, and it kanye was so and kanye produced most of the blueprint yes that's how kanye yes, got, yes, how yes. got his, his footing i mean the blueprint's one of the yes. greatest albums of all time it, it, it's just it's a big agree big agree so, it's song cry fucking what oh like, what a that, dude that whole record that, that, that's jay-z it is fucking zenith that is like once again yeah. i'm in i'm in fourth grade at this point like that is like my introduction to hove yeah, I was like, 16 putting subwoofers in everything I owned, and that was I, like I the put, fucking I put shit. Thousand, I hit a trifecta at a racetrack in Wisconsin when I was 16 for $2,100, and I put subwoofers in <laughs> a two 12-inch shelves in a 92 Buick Century. There you go, Dude, baby. That's I, what I'm talking about. That's some Florida shit. It was I the had, loudest fucking car on earth, and it I was had a, a 92 Buick Century. I had a 1996 Chevy Cavalier. It was a two-door. I know exactly uh, what car you're talking basically, about. Basically, everyone had everyone had that car. Yeah, it was yeah. Te- it was teal. It, it was, was the teal. Camry of the late 1900s. Dude, it. I swear to God, it had a lawnmower engine, like like the like two-cylinder. I have no idea what the fuck this thing was, but we put big ass speakers in the back, and I blast Meek Mill, Flamers Two mixtape. I bought from the Kung Fu Kiosk at Franklin Mills Mall. Fucking exhibit. <laughs> blue, dude, the speakers would rattle so hard that the connectors would just come out. And I would have Love to go it. back and duck and like duct tape the connectors back in the speakers. But all right, that was a great fucking episode. That was good. We got heated. We fucking got a lot out this week. We got Tyler Glenn. Thank you again to Tyler Glenn for coming the on. Entry being, fucking being a fucking on, great guy. Unreal band. Uh, we have a couple big interviews coming up. One, I don't know if we can say yet. Dante, can we say that? We don't have that locked in yet, right? Uh, I think we can say it. And so, she, she comes through. So Swaco, who is right now the number one viral yeah. artist on earth. Produced Literally. by a former guest of ours. Colin Britton produced it. 
Mm-hmm. So he'll be coming on. Uh, we have a group love interview this week coming up. We still have a lot in the pipeline. All these names that we said we were going to have later on down the line. It's almost October. So we'll have black Pumas coming through soon. And there's a couple more that we need to get, but there's a lot of scheduling to be done. There's a lot of people coming through. Uh, catch us next Monday night. 7 p.m. Eastern time on Adobe Radio. Tuesdays, Thursdays, we need to pick a green room, se- green room pick section. That's uh, to try and follow up the white people one. Who the fuck knows what we're going to do? But uh, we'll be back talking more shit, talking more music. And uh, Dave, you got like two weeks. Two weeks. I'm starting to look for flights Monday, Tuesday. Two weeks, so. baby. I, I just want to put this out there. I will cry during soundcheck. I am so excited. <laughs> to be I am so excited to be back on stage. I was thinking about it last night. Driving back from the studio, I was thinking about the fact that I'm going to get to stand on stage, and I already kind of know what I'm going to say into the camera, but I never knew whether or not we were ever going to get back to do it again. Nobody knew. Nobody knew whether or not the world would ever go back to normal, whether or not bands would ever get back to playing live, and I get to go back to uh, my dream venue where I saw my first two concerts ever. I don't even know what to say. I'm, I'm fucking, I got goosebumps thinking about it. And then I got Dave to be there. By the way, I'm getting the White Sox Dave World Tour shirts made. I'm rocking one of those Love on it. stage. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm wearing one on stage. And I'm just going to get Camden, New Jersey put on the... You know, like, even this shirt has, like, 20 dates on it. Just I'm one day. Just yeah, one yeah. day. Camden, New I Jersey. I love that. Tour. I love that. Yeah, so I'm going to rock that John on stage. And uh, uh, Dave, Dante, Kenny, anything else you got for me today? No, fuck you. Fuck you. This fuck you. Great. I got nothing. Great seeing you guys. Yeah, football, you guys. football weekend. Let's do it. Let's go, boys! Fuck, I was dead. Kenny doesn't give a fuck. Kenny doesn't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I'm going out in the boat. Bye. (laughs) Fuck you.